Welcome to Aerospace Unplugged. I'm Adam Kress. Now, when you're a global movie star, executive producer, and entrepreneur, time for you is money, which makes owning a private jet that travels over 600 miles an hour leverage to compete, grow, and thrive in Hollywood. But behind every superstar is a flight crew that makes taking off in Tokyo and touching down in Toulouse possible. Uh, today, you're going to meet a celebrity pilot, Randy Parrott, and director of maintenance, Paul Sloboda. They'll tell you what it's like to fly a movie star across the world, manage a private aircraft, and help an actor build their empire from the sky. Now, with no further ado, let's get started. And of course, the question on top of everybody's mind is, who are you guys flying around? <laughs> Hi, Adam. It's a pleasure to be here with you guys. Um, well, the gentleman we fly around is uh, Mark Wahlberg. Very cool. So tell the audience in a nutshell here how you got into that and what it is like to fly around. Well, Marcus um, <clears throat> treats his airplane just like every other business owner does. He uses it really as a tool um, to get him to either on a set, a business meeting, new uh, acquisitions, almost exclusively just our business. It's very rare we're using stuff for personal use. The aircraft um, allows him to do multiple things at once. Now with our upgraded systems that we got from Honeywell, uh, now we're even able to do, he's, doing a lot, he's able to do a lot more with it. And it gives us a much better uh, ability to perform his missions. Okay, well, Randy, you have the view from the from the cockpit, of course, but Paul, you would be as the director of maintenance a little bit more behind the scenes, but I'm sure, you know, extremely busy in, in keeping the aircraft where it needs to be and organizing where it's going to go. So talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what that job entails when uh, the client is an internationally known movie star. Well, absolutely, Adam. So definitely, you know, I, I work to ensure that the aircraft is available at all times for Mark. And uh, because we are flying around the world, it's, you want to make sure that the aircraft is available without any failures of the systems. And uh, coming back to what Randy just mentioned, the upgrades that we completed with uh, Honeywell this last November made a huge difference for what the aircraft is able to provide us and the flight crew in the way of systems upgrades. For Mark, it, it's made a huge difference, as Randy mentioned again, that in, in, the, in the cabin with our KA band, it provides communication throughout the entire flight from beginning to land, internationally over water, allows them to communicate with his family and, and other business uh, communications. So... Uh, that's yeah, made a big difference. That's fantastic. Now, I'm sure, you know, Mark was at a place one day years ago where he was determining, do, do I want my own private jet? Is that worth, is that worth doing or, or would I want to, you know, get into one of the, the flight share situations? But uh, obviously he made the decision to go ahead and get his own aircraft. So how should others go about that process if they're considering purchasing a private jet? What should they be considering? Well, that's a, that's a great question. As a matter of fact, you know, there's a, someone that's reached out to a friend of Mark's or one of his partners. They're currently right now in a, in a timeshare type situation where they're, they've got X amount of hours on aircraft. So my question is back to him. What's your mission? How far are you flying? How many people are you flying? How often are you flying? And is there a, you know, an acquisition budget you're looking at? And is there a operating cost you want to be operating in? Then build something around those parameters. And that's, that's really the best approach because you don't want to oversize the aircraft or you don't want to be undersized either. It's important to do a little fact finding mission of, you know, what is really the, the mission that they're needing to accomplish yeah, and, and work on those parameters and, and making sure that uh, you set them up for success. Because the worst thing you want to do for an owner is, is get them into an airplane and he hates it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You, you wouldn't want to have to answer those questions if, no. if things aren't uh, being run the way they should. And certainly there's a the market for aircraft, used aircraft, new, new aircraft, it's wide open. 
where uh, in the used aircraft segment, you can, there's airplanes that are available just two to three years old that are, have lost, well, 30, 50% of their value. So it's a, there's a great opportunity to get into the used aircraft market. There are great airplanes. Now, you know, on the surface, you're going to have an edge in going exactly where you want, when you want to, if, if you have your own aircraft in a situation like this. But can you think of uh, maybe an example or two of where it could really give you a competitive edge if you're the principal of an aircraft? Of course, like I said, you can go exactly where you want, when you want to. But what are some of the hidden advantages that uh, having an aircraft could provide? MBAA has done a lot of um, research on this stuff, and they've, they've determined that companies that have corporate jets are far more successful than ones that don't. I think in general, people... They see the aircraft as a symbol of success. And when you're doing business with somebody, if you see they're flying in on an airplane, uh, especially the one like we have, that gives them that sense of security. Hey, this is people I want to do business with. So I think that helps open doors more frequently than not. And then, you know, it's having the ability just to do multiple stops in, in one day. I mean, you can't do that on an airline. It's just not possible. I just realized we haven't talked about the actual aircraft itself yet. It, Randy or Paul, can you just give a quick overview of what the aircraft is and some of the top technology in it? Sure. This uh, Global Express, it's made by Bombardier. And the Global's been in service now almost, I think, 22 years now, Paul, if I'm not mistaken. The particular aircraft we're on has in, been in service just about 18 years. This is an ultra-long-range, uh, in a wide-cabin airplane, just under 6,300 nautical miles without refueling. So we can get, you know, say from L.A. to Rome nonstop. It's got a nice wide cabin. It can be configured to at least for eight sleeping lay flat. It's got a nice forward uh, galley. We've got two labs. And then, of course, uh, you know, all the ultra long range, you know, navigation system, communication systems to go along with to support those kind of missions. All right. Excellent. Let's talk a little bit, uh, Paul, about the flight department itself and kind of how it's organized. How is your business aviation flight department run and what are some uh, tricks of the trade you can share to have a smooth operation? Sure. Well, uh, we actually, uh, Randy, and uh, we have one other pilot that flies with us and a full-time flight attendant. And uh, the four of us actually work for a management company that Mark uh, utilizes to provide everything from a hangar and uh, support from that uh, management company, Clay Lacey Aviation. So they uh, they work with us to uh, everything from scheduling of the flights and uh, providing support at home base and at the destinations the airplane will eventually arrive at. Yeah, I mean, uh, like like Paul said, you know, Clay Lacey is a management company, and that's a it's a great way to uh, own and operate an aircraft through. You get a lot of leverage from using the, the the right management company. One is you know leverage their numbers to get good fuel pricing, to get good maintenance uh, contracts, uh, HR services for the crew. And so there's a lot of um, you know great advantages to going with a management company versus having a standalone operation, which I've I've been in, in both and. Uh, they both have their advantages and, and disadvantages. Mm -hmm. what, what are some other tools that could be offered by a company like Clay Lacey that, you know, ba is basically running the flight department that, that, again, if folks are interested in getting into to getting their own aircraft, what should they be looking for in terms of the services these companies provide? Well, they want to make sure uh, they're providing transparency. I mean, that's the biggest thing is you, you want to see that, you know, your, your bills aren't being marked up. You're, you're going to pay, is this a, should be a pass-through on all your invoices because you get invoices from every direction. I mean, from, you know, overflight fees to insurance to 
maintenance subscriptions to you know navigation subscriptions i mean you name it there's just a, a lot of different uh, costs are associated with operating aircraft whether it's flying or not flying quite frankly so but you want a company that's that, that's going to show you be transparent and then um you know ones that are going to also be able to provide a lot of extra added value like i said you know having one that can you know give you some deep discounts on a fuel hangar costs maintenance these things make worthwhile to be with a management company and because Clay Lacey does manage multiple uh, jets, they are able to negotiate discounts and everything from subscriptions to fuel discounts, uh, maintenance, labor discounts. If I take the airplane into a, a maintenance service center, so it uh, it does extend to all different aspects of operating the airplane. Okay, so why did you guys choose uh, Honeywell as a partner? Well, uh, I had been watching this airplane since we've been we've been with it for almost five years now, and uh, it, it's not that it's that old, but you any aircraft you have, you have to keep an eye on for components that might be uh, nearing their end of life. And uh, I've been working with Honeywell, Nick Davis, and uh, he, we were discussing several components that I was going to have to look at upgrading at a certain point. And we wanted to keep everything we're putting in the airplane Honeywell, and uh, we, we were sure of that. We looked at all the different components that needed upgrades and uh, some newer technology that will keep the airplane going for the good number of years to the point where maybe Mark might upgrade an airplane, who knows. But we wanted to make sure the airplane was available and there was, wasn't going to be any downtime based on aircraft components that might be approaching end of life. Can you guys talk through some of the specifics, whether it be hardware services or software that were part of this upgrade last year? Sure. I mean, uh, like uh, Paul was saying, you know, we're, we're coming, uh, let me first, uh, let me step back a little bit. I'll give you a little history, if you don't mind. Um, you know, the, the, the global came out around um, the late uh, 90s. So why they were green cheating that aircraft, they had gone through and, and went to all the you know, previous Gulfstream owners and current operators and wanted to know exactly, you know, what would it take for a Gulfstream operator to switch over to the new Bombardier Global Express. And the two main things that came out of that were Rolls-Royce engines and a Honeywell flight suite. There was always been a long lineage of, um, for long-range aircraft to have a Honeywell for their navigation system since it was so proven and such a stable product. So basically what ended up happening was with the Bombardier, you guys end up having a, they were teamed up with Honeywell, but the only system available at the time was something that was a, an upgraded version of what was in the Gulfstream 4 because the newest, latest version of the Honeywell was in the new G5. So now fast forward, the new upgrades for the global and your Honeywell product really was a, a no-brainer for us. I mean, uh, as you're coming to the end of life on those products, the support and all the new technology and advancements uh, as far as the synthetic vision and the ability to, to display our plates on the, on the screens and update weather. I mean, there was... All the latest technology is now available for an aircraft that's almost 20 years old. So that was a, a huge benefit for us in the cockpit uh, to provide a better situational awareness uh, and give us um, you know, more confidence in, in navigating around you know, different weather conditions and whatnot and make sure we had a nice, stable, soft ride in the back. Well, yeah, Paul, I'd, I'd have to think all these upgrades have increased the value of the aircraft now, right? Absolutely. So uh, yeah, at a certain point, whether it's years down the road, should we uh, decide to uh, put the airplane up for sale, a comparable aircraft without these upgrades, uh, it'd be a no-brainer no which airplane somebody might purchase 
So uh, absolutely, it's it's added, added value and um, added safety to the airplane for the flight crew and uh, the operation. It's made a considerable difference, and and we're comfortable flying it uh, without any worry about it breaking down and avionics wise for sure now how much uh, i mean obviously mark was was aware of all these these upgrades taking place uh but you know for mark or, or for another principal of an aircraft like this how, how do they feel the advantages of these sorts of upgrades well i was really pushing the reliability of the aircraft because if, if he isn't able to go when he needs to go because we've had you know a, an important piece in our cockpit isn't functioning that means he's got to spend money to charter an aircraft it was an easy selling part to that, knowing that, hey, look, at if this part is unavailable, it cannot be available for days or weeks. We don't know, you know, so it, it, we needed to be ahead of that curve and not, you know, you know waiting um, for that shoe to drop more or less. And then all the other extra benefits we get from doing this upgrade, like I said, with the synthetic vision, the ability to integrate our plates, you know, all these other things that really help, you know, situational awareness. It was all an extra bonus um, to throw in there. Very cool. All right, let's let's change gears just a little bit here. If you run into a, a young kid who says they want to grow up and be a pilot, what they're probably thinking of is, you know, working for an airline and flying big loads of, of people all over the world. But, you know, there's a whole other world of, of private aviation um, that you guys have been in a long time now. But what would you say to to young folks who, who are interested in aviation? What would you tell them about your experience and how to get into it? Well, Paul, I want to start on your side because you've, you've got some actual flight experience as well, right? Sure, I do. I, so uh, I, I started my career in the Marine Corps as an avionics technician. And uh, following that, I got out and received my uh, civilian certifications for, as an, an AMP and uh, inspection authorization. But I began working for a Fortune 500 company and flew as part of the flight crew, uh, flight attendant and uh, and a flight mechanic, a flight engineer position, which we um, you know traveled around the world. And uh, of course, I was a lot younger, but it was very exciting just being part of that flight crew, meeting everything from celebrities and the people that flew around in the back of the airplane. So it was a brand new, exciting experience for me. Every day is going to be different. You're not going to experience the same thing at all um, from one day to the next. New sites, new experiences. Uh, very exciting. So um, it's definitely it's not something that uh, a career counselor will talk to you about in high school, <laughs> but uh, it's it's definitely out there, and uh, it's not something they'd ever uh, even thought about. But um, I, I do try to talk to young guys and say, hey, here's an opportunity, and there's always job opportunities, and it's just like the pilots, there's a shortage of maintenance technicians. It's an in- interesting career. No doubt. Yeah. Randy, when, when you were young, were you in love with aviation as a kid or did it come to you a little bit later? No, no. So, you know, my, my both my parents were in aviation. My dad worked for uh, Cessna and then Pratt & Whitney. So you, you had no choice then, right? Yeah, it was it was in the blood, you know. So, But uh, we always had customers coming over and they, they you know, especially the, the pilots would come over and they'd have dinner at our house and they'd get wine and dine. And then uh, I was like, man, these guys live kind of a cool, kind of a cool career, you know. But um, I was, uh, I wanted to go in the Air Force. So I really wanted to be, a, you know, an astronaut and, and whatnot, flying the space shuttle. But it, I wasn't able to, you know, get into the Air Force Academy, but um, decided to go up on the civilian side. So I, but I did get my uh, my AMP, which was a, a great, you know, asset to have. I mean, be able to, down the road, I mean, we don't have Paul flying with us. So 
you know, if you don't have a, a guy like Paul with you as a, a mecha- flight mechanic, uh, flight attendant, um, you're relying on whatever maintenance facilities around that can help get you out of a bind. So if you've got, if you're a pilot with your, with an AMP and you're know the aircraft, um, it can really get you out of a bind. And that's, I've had to use that multiple times in uh, a lot of areas around remote parts of the world. For me, I mean, um, you know, the airlines were never attractive and I think they're less attractive even more today. Uh, corporate aviation is uh, quite unique. You're never going to the, to the same spot every single time. It's always something different and variable and some stays are longer than others and you get to explore different cities and meet different people and cultures. And, you know, it's been a very rewarding career for me. I, I couldn't think of doing any other job, quite frankly. It's something uh like I tell a lot of people, I said the the flying part. I actually I do that part for free. So <laughs> the rest of it is uh, is what I get paid for. So I think the biggest thing that stands out uh, when I think about the technology in the airplane is how it's changed over my career and Randy's same same amount basically. Where there was just a handful of these corporate jets um, at the beginning, and uh, and the technology up front in the cockpit and the cabin especially was uh, you know just really basic. So we've come a long ways in what we're seeing in the cockpit and what's offered for the creature comforts in the back of the airplane now for the passengers. It's, uh, it's come a long ways. Well, it, it's true in a lot of ways that some of the latest and greatest technology, especially in avionics, it tends to hit the business jet market before it comes to ATR, right? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I, mean, I remember uh, when we were doing long range flights in the Gulfstream, and we only had the ability to put in, I think, like, I think 10 or 15 waypoints. Uh, and then we could, you know, then once we've crossed multiple ones, we could add more, you know. So we've, we've come a long way from that. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah you guys talked about, um, you know, how things have changed. But if you look out towards, say, the next 10, 20 years of uh, business and corporate aviation, uh, what, what do you think the next evolution will be? Well, I, I think the supersonic... Uh, Jets are definitely, you know, um, right there. I mean, I think in the next five, ten years, uh, there, there's going to be quite a bit of activity in that, which should be quite interesting. I mean, they, the technology's come a long way where they've, I think they've been able to reduce or minimize at least the sonic boom to a point where it doesn't uh, rattle homes and scare all the cows, you know. <laughs> yeah, we definitely uh, re-usher in a new era, um, you know, of aviation that I think a lot of people are, are very curious about and would love to see again. And it, and it seems like, you know, as opposed to the Concorde back in the day, the, the market seems to have shifted more toward, you know, private travel as, as the place where uh, supersonic will come into play. But guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Just one more question for each of you. Of course, we call this podcast Aerospace Unplugged. So what do you guys like to do when you unplug and, and you're not flying Mark around? Well, for myself, I like to plug in uh, my guitar actually and uh, play some guitar and uh that's my relaxation uh, for me i'm uh i'm a bit of a, a diy guy i love uh working with wood and uh tile and I'm, I'm, if there's a project i can get into and just uh unplug um with my tools uh, that's a great afternoon for me fantastic sounds sounds real good on both fronts i want to thank you both again randy parrott chief pilot and paul sloboda the director of maintenance both for Clay Lacey Aviation, but what that means is that they are on Mark Wahlberg's uh, flight team and have have traveled the world with them. So thank you guys so much for joining us today. Thanks, Adam. Absolutely. Great being here. Thanks again for joining us today on Aerospace Unplugged, and we will catch you next time. Thanks. Thanks.